Hi, Leon. You're muted. You're probably going to have to push the button. Okay, how's that? I can hear you. How are you doing? All right. Great. How are you doing? Doing okay. Uh, So this is, um, you know, this is something new. I don't know how many uh, people will come. It's just a way to talk to fans. I mean, many more people will listen to this uh, afterwards. This is all get released as podcasts afterwards. Um, But, you know, we'll get some people in here listening uh, during this. Um, You know, I'll just talk for, you know, I don't know, 30 30 minutes or so, 30, 40 minutes. And then if anyone has questions, we can answer them. And uh, that'll be about it. Um, How does that sound? Sounds good. Uh, Nice to talk to you. And thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Leon. This 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 is uh, interesting. So I, you know, I, I, uh, I had a casting call for Meet the Randos, and I had a, you know, I had a few interesting ones, and you know, I think yours, yours, your story so, sort of stood out. So, uh, can you just t- tell people the, um, you know, the ba- the basic the basic facts? Because I think it's, uh, you know, what the, uh, you know, uh, how you came to fatherhood, and sort of the. Uh, you know, the, the sperm donation and everything else and how it worked out. First of all, you're an optometrist, right? Yes, uh, I'm an optometrist and professor um, living in South Florida. And I guess um, about 10 years ago, I started thinking that I had pretty much accomplished almost everything I wanted in life. Um, I had a great career, a professor, successful optometric career, Um, I had been married, divorced, traveled extensively throughout the world, been in a number of relationships, but the one thing I hadn't had was a child, and it never quite, it just never materialized. Uh, Either the timing was wrong, or different, uh, people wanted different things, it just didn't happen. So, I guess about... Um, seven years ago in 2015, um, I was in, at an optometric conference with uh, a very good friend of mine. And um, this friend had had a child through a sperm donor and in vitro fertilization. The child was about a year and a half old at that time. And I, I remember this scene very distinctly because we were sitting in New Orleans in the French Quarter, where the conference was, um, and having dinner, and uh, her her adorable daughter was kind of boogieing to the music on Bourbon Street, and um, I, I guess I was just wrapped up in everything, and I, I said to her, you know, I, I really wish I had had a child at some point, and at that time, she had suggested something called surrogacy. And while I had heard of surrogacy, I really didn't know much about it. And I Mm -hmm. I was quite intrigued. Um, So then I went home and um, back to Florida and I began to do a little research on it. And I shortly afterwards attended a conference called Men Having Babies, which is a specific conference that's set up for, that's designed for men who want to have babies uh, on their own or with partners and uh, through artificial means. And after doing some research on it, um, I just kept going. Um, I, uh, I, I met with um, fertility clinics and surrogacy agencies. 
and the first step was to procure an egg donor because in the kind of surrogacy that's done now almost exclusively, it's called gestational surrogacy. So it's where the egg donor is a different woman than the surrogate. The surrogate is not using her own eggs, so there's no kind of conflict. It, it removes some of the conflicts about yeah. a surrogate potentially wanting a baby. So I, um, through an online agency, I connected with an egg donor. We Skyped a little bit. We had a good connection. Um, and then we, through a fertility doctor, I found um, uh, in vitro fertilization was, was formed. Um, and at that point, um, they create embryos. So they create embryos which are then frozen. And those embryos are viable embryos that can be then implanted in another woman, uh, the surrogate, to have the baby. So we kind of had a bumper crop. Uh, we had 15 embryos, which is an incredible number of embryos through this process. They were frozen. And then about a year later, it took some time to find the surrogate, to sign legal contracts and so forth. But about a year after that, in 2017, one of those embryos was then implanted in a surrogate. Um, she was actually um, from Texas. So um, um, it was uh, my child was born in Texas a year later and a healthy uh, beautiful daughter, and uh, the rest is history. So that's kind of the overview of, of what I did. Yeah, and there. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll ask about the um, the, the siblings of your daughter uh, uh -huh. later. But I guess I'll just I'll just ask some questions that I have now. Listening to that story, how did you? Sure. Um, so this um, uh, this egg donor. How many did, people mm -hmm. did you interview? Um, you know, was was it a tough uh, decision? Uh, yeah. what, what traits were you looking for besides? Good, I think, okay, the obvious? Ex excellent. Yes, excellent question. Um, well, you you uh, go through uh, profiles on agencies and. The thing, uh, there were many women um, who were offering their eggs. The thing that I liked about, one, one of the things you want generally a young egg donor uh, under mm -hmm. 28 because the eggs are more likely to be viable. But the thing that I really connected with was this egg donor was a doctor. She was uh -huh. an MD. And she was going for her residency in neurology. And mm -hmm. aside from the fact that I, I you know, value the profession as a doctor, I thought this would be very beneficial to my daughter because then she could say her father's a doctor, her genetic mother is a doctor, and that uh -huh. helps sort of solidify the identity for a child that's going to need as much identity as possible. So in addition to the woman's just kind of friendliness and niceness and intelligence, the fact that she was a doctor, was that kind of clinched it for me. Did, uh, he said she wanted her to have an identity, and so like you know, to, right. you know, have. Uh, um, so did that figure? Like, were you going for someone who looked like you? Was she the same race as you? Was did she look um, different? Did you think about that? A, a little bit. She was the same race. Um, I but I didn't really think so much in terms of looks. I mean, she was attractive, and that was enough for me. But it was more the personality um, that I was that that I was looking for. Gotcha. And did you, did you like, you discuss, I'm sure you discussed what was she like as a child? 
Yes. So when you when you pick out an egg donor, there's a very extensive profile that the agency sends you. So I combed through that profile. In addition, uh, we we skyped. So technically, she's an anonymous donor, but we did Skype for about 20 minutes. And one of the things I wanted was I wanted to to make sure that my child would be able to meet her someday if Uh she wanted to. Uh-huh. And I remember, I remember very distinctly the words I said to her. Well, if that now this egg donor, by the way, also has children of her own. So I remember very distinctly. I said, if down the road my daughter would like to meet you, would it be okay? And uh-huh. the words to me were like, not only would it be okay, I'll introduce her to her siblings as well. So meaning her uh-huh. children. So I thought that was such a nice response, and I said, okay, you're. You're hired, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it, have you thought about uh, letting her meet her? I mean, bef- how, how soon do you think it is? Are you going to wait till she's an adult? Because she might want, you know, when she's an adult, she might look back and say, oh, it would have been nice to, you know, know my siblings when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I think probably mid to late teens. I don't think it would, would happen before, say, the, the mid-teens. Yeah. But um, it, it kind of depends on how... Um, things work with my daughter, what her curiosity is like. We really haven't even broached, although she does know she has an egg donor and surrogate. She's really too young to really understand what that means. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but it's up there. And I mean, I have pictures of the surrogate in the house, so it's there. And depending on how she uh, comes to understand it, then we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. But I am in touch uh, occasionally uh, by email with the egg donor. Uh-huh. Yeah, and she she doesn't live close by. It's not like they. Live no, down no, the she's not. No, 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 and she no, no. Uh-huh. Okay, and and so are are you going to have any more kids? <laughs> you know, I thought about it. Uh, I guess I thought about it after my daughter was about a year old because I certainly had embryos, but uh, I think I'm just past the point of having more kids. I can. Uh, hardly keep up with the child I have now. And it would, maybe if I was 10 years younger, in my mid-50s, I would go ahead and have uh, more kids. But I like, uh, financially also, I'm working part-time right now, so I don't want to put an undue stress upon myself just to have another child. But if I was if I was 10 years younger, I, I'd give serious thought to that. Mm-hmm. And you said there's a, it's now the surrogates and the, uh, and the egg donor are now different women. I would think that part yes. of that is you said there's a legal reason for this because the, you'd have more rights if you were a woman to, who was both the uh, donor, who was both providing the egg and and being the uh, woman giving birth. Is that right? Well, I don't know about more rights because it's a very intricate legal legal process, and uh, there, there's virtually no chance that. The surrogate is going to decide to keep the baby. I mean, my surrogate actually had her tubes tied, and she had three children of her own, so she didn't want to uh-huh. have a baby. But th- there's less of, the, I guess, there's less of a psychological uh, attachment to the child. I don't know if you recall in the 1980s, it was a famous case in New York mm. called the Baby M case, where the sur- and that was where the surrogate used her own eggs, and the surrogate yeah, yeah. decided to keep. Okay, so now because in vitro fertilization technology is so good, you really don't need to use the surrogate's eggs. So it's always what's called gestational surrogacy, and in ninety nine percent of the cases of surrogacy, 
you have a separate egg donor. So that's that's a standard protocol. Uh-huh. Is, is fatherhood, is being a father something you, you always wanted, or was it sort of a, a desire that came a little bit it, later in life? Uh, it's something that came later in life uh, as I accomplished other things. And as I became more mature, um, I don't think, you know, you hear people say, well, I could never have a child in my 40s or 50s because I don't have the energy. And it was kind of the opposite with me. I think I mm-hmm. was, as a person, um, I just was not, I was... Uh, I'm more mature. I'm more stable. I'm certainly more financially and um, overall set in life that uh, in my younger years, I'm sure I could not have been as good a dad as I am now, if at all. And how much, how much did the whole, I mean, if you don't mind saying how much does the whole process cost? Um, The process for me costed about 140,000. Now I, I did it a little more expensively than uh, maybe average because I used a very top fertility clinic. Um, Uh I spent a a little more than average on the egg donor. I did it in Texas. I kind of said to myself, I'm doing this once and if it, and I I need to get it right the first time. So I'm going to pay up for it. And because in the long run, it really doesn't matter. Having said that the price of surrogacy has gone up. This was, what, four years, five years ago, price of surrogacy certainly, certainly gone up. And I doubt you could do it for less than, I don't know, 175000 at, at this point. Yeah. So I, I've, you know, from what I've heard, you're not supposed to be able to pay the egg donor, but there's ways to get around that. You don't have to incriminate yourself. But is, is that sort of how it works? Well, you pay the agent. The egg donor gets paid. You pay the agency and the egg donor... Yeah. So you cannot sell, so they both get paid. What you cannot do is, and I guess we'll we'll get to this when when you're ready, is donating embryos. Once you have the embryo, I cannot get paid for for giving an embryo to someone. I have to donate it. So there are laws against that. But the the egg itself, you can, you can, I can just pay someone a million dollars right now and and get their egg, that there's nothing, uh, there's nothing illegal about that. Yes, there's nothing illegal. And the surrogacy is illegal in certain states. That's another thing that makes this Oh, tricky. really? Which, which, yes. which states? Oh, uh, well, I, I it's a very no interesting situation. It's, they're uh-huh. sort of red light, green light, yellow light states. I uh, see. Whereas te- Texas, California, Connecticut, uh, Maryland are really gr- are very good. Green light states, New York, New Jersey, it's illegal. Wow. So, uh, and some of that, there's all kinds of political reasons for that. Um, but so you have to, that's another thing. What's difficult is finding the surrogate. It's not so much the egg donor, but surrogacy is illegal in, in some states and you have to negotiate that. That's, that's um, interesting. And there's that's, also, I would have, yeah, I would have thought it would yeah. be a, like a, a pro-life, pro-choice. You'd have a red state, blue state thing, but you're saying California is good and Texas is good and New York and New Jersey are bad for this kind of thing. It, it came up about a year or two ago in New York, and um, some of the, uh, um, the people that were against it were, uh, were feminist groups that felt that it was <laughs> yeah, I um, see. As insulting to women. So the right of privacy apparently did not extend to surrogates. So did you see? 
Yeah. Yeah. Did you see those women stuck in you? There was the people, some people go overseas. There was these women in Ukraine and during the war there, you know, there's a couple hundred, there's dozens or hundreds of them and they're all at this hospital and they like couldn't escape and they were carrying babies right. for people from the West. Did you see this story? I, I saw it. I saw it. And what, what another interesting thing along those lines, Richard, is that makes the states that, that makes it difficult. Let's say a sur surrogacy is legal in Texas, but not Oklahoma. And let's say the surrogate at eight months visits a family in Oklahoma and uh -huh. the water breaks at eight months. And what's, you know, she can't deliver a baby and it's illegal. So there are, con there are, well, I think they would let her deliver the baby. Well, what they, are they going to do? <laughs> they, 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 they would, hopefully they wouldn't fly her. <laughs> Hopefully they wouldn't fly her across the board. Um, but but you, you are in for a big legal rigmarole, let's say that. So there are contracts which stipulate for surrogates, for example, cannot travel across state lines after eight months or something like that. It's a, it's a very complicated kind of legal um, procedure. Yeah, that is so interesting. The law, I mean, the fact that it's not, you know polarized by normal lines the fact that it seems sort of accidental you know which they you know you have the feminists in new york stop surrogacy but not the feminists in california yeah. did you yeah, think about having yeah. a did you think about having a surrogate overseas i would have thought that would that would help with the uh, uh, uh price. It, it it briefly crossed my mind but i wasn't going to go that far um i know there are people that have uh, children like adopt children from overseas by the way i was too old to adopt that's another reason why uh, they wouldn't get I chose, uh, uh, I was too old to die. And in some cases, I was too old for certain fertility clinics uh, to to create a child. Most, though, were not. Most of that was not a problem. But a it was, so it wasn't that you were, you considered adoption. It wasn't that was it important for you for it to be your biological child? It, it was important. Um, but I can't say I didn't. I, I thought about adoption, but it, let's put it this way: it made the decision a lot easier, knowing uh, I couldn't adopt. I said, "Okay, yeah. let's go to that." <laughs> so you, you, so you chose to have a girl, right? You get to pick the embryo. You can if you want to. Um, I did choose to have a girl, and here again, you you can do what's called PGS or pre-implantation genetic screening, and what they do is. When they um, create the embryo, they take a couple cells from what become the placenta and they test them. They do chromosomal right. testing and then tell you. Uh -huh. So you can, I chose to do it. Some people do, some people don't. That's, that's up to, if you want to choose, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, do, and did they, uh, did they tell you, cause I know they do, they can test for Down syndrome. They can test for, uh, other diseases, but they can also mm -hmm. give you sort of a, uh, they can do the 20 whole 23 and me thing. They could say propensity towards this or height or any of that. Did you, did you do any of that stuff? Uh, I did some general stuff. The stuff that I did, I don't know anything about height and stuff, but it, it's sort of a cursory chromosomal screening. Maybe you could do more, but at least at the time I did it, that would involve sort of an extra uh, extra level. And I really wasn't going to go there. All I wanted was just, I didn't care about height or all that, but I just want to make sure that the baby was healthy to the extent that they could, that they could test it. So. Yeah. Well, why a girl instead of a boy? <laughs> um, just a gut feeling, you know. I, mean, I don't know. It's a good question. It's just something I... Uh, 
that, that I, I kind of thought a lot about the decision and I wasn't sure whether I was going to do it or just roll the dice, but my gut feeling was just to go, oh, and I said, you know, I'm going to just trust my instincts. Again, yeah. it's a one-shot deal. I may as well go, you know, go for it. Yeah. And how, how, do, your, how do your friends and family um, respond? Do they, do they think it's interesting? Did anyone try to talk you out of it? Did it encouraging? <laughs> how, how, how do people in your life feel? They've been very supportive. Um, I'm sure they were quite, many were quite surprised at first, as I would have been. But really, uh, they're very supportive. No one tried to talk me out of it. Um, I think that the friends and family, um, my, my close friends and family, know me and know that if I was going to take this kind of decision, it would have been uh, very thought out and to have my bases covered and very careful and to know that I could do it. So knowing me... They were they were okay with it. Um, uh, I mean, as, as to other people, sort of further acquaintances, you know, everybody's been supportive. I don't know what they've thought privately, but um, but generally, every, and I can say that extends to the neighborhood and people I interact with at, at uh, my daughter's preschool. Everybody's very supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's very nice. I mean, it must it must come up at. Uh... So, you know, how, how, do, how do people, how, how does it usually come up? Because I think that people would see you, they'd see you pick up your daughter and they, I, nobody, I mean, people don't ask, you know, where's the mother, right? People usually aren't that yeah. direct, are they? Uh, so yeah. like, how, no. how, how does no. it typically come up? It just, it just is something that comes up later. Um, good. Yeah, I think usually what happens is it's through the grapevine. So, you know, we interact with kind of the, most of the same people every day at the preschool, the neighbors, and sort of once the cat's out of the bag, then everyone kind of tells each other, yeah. you know, not within my earshot, and then just kind of acts like, yeah, we know, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's cool. So that's kind of, that, although once in a while I did have a question where for one of, my, one of my daughter's friends, so one day, uh, one of my one of my daughter's uh, friend's fathers approached me in a day school. He says, "Listen, Leah, I got, I got to ask you something." I said, oh, "What is it?" She says, "My daughter said, ask me, does Ruby have a mother?" Uh-huh. And I said, "Uh, uh, uh, that, that. <laughs> I'm ready for the parents. I'm not ready for the t- questions from the kids." Uh, yeah. I don't know what I just. I kind of said, "No, she doesn't, but she has a great father, and she's doing great." And Everybody's happier. You know, some general thing like that. But he didn't know how to put it to his daughter. So that's, mm. uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> and, and she has, and you have other embryos that you donated, right? Can you talk yes, about that? Yes, so I, I had a total of 15 embryos. And my egg donor and me, but in particular her, uh, one of the, the agreements she had is she didn't want any, of these embryos destroyed, even though they're not her embryo. They're completely my legal embryos, but it's her genetic Uh material. And she didn't want them destroyed, as people sometimes do. They donate Uh them to science. And I didn't either. So I said, okay, so after I didn't want any more kids, and after about a year, I I wanted to donate them. So I went through a very laborious and long process of finding other families to donate the embryos to. And after a good year and a half, uh, I was finally able to distribute the embryos to other families. And uh, I'm pleased to say there are several children born to these other families. 
um, who have the same biological parents, I don't, I don't want to say parents, I am not the parent, but the same um, you know, bi biological, biological uh, male and female um, of, of, of my daughter. And uh, one of the things that I agreed upon with these recipients was that the kids get to meet each other someday down the road. And that's, uh. that's something that's mutually we both want, and that's something that's going to happen. Because nowadays you can't keep kids from finding yeah. out who their genetic you know, parents yeah. are. So, yeah. yeah. So there's still embryos left? Because somebody in our there audience... Are, yes. Yes. There's okay. still this some is... on ice. There's still on ice, <laughs> and so... I'll say that... And some did not work out, by the way. There were miscarriages, too, as they're, as they're apt to be. You're, this is a numbers game. But there could be uh, more children. And I, I hope you said there were, there were 15 created? Is that, is that what you said? There were 15 created, yes. Mm -hmm. And, what, and what's, the, what's the breakdown? How many have become children? How many are left? How many uh, uh, didn't make it? Uh, well, there are three children right now, and there are about four that are still uh, on ice, and then they're, the rest have not made it for, for one reason or another. Um, uh -huh. So you're... It, it's three, a, including it's a, your daughter? Three, including... Was that no, 15? Four, 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 including my daughter. She has... Uh -huh. Yeah, four, including my daughter, have made it. Uh -huh. um, it's you still... It's a dicey game, you know, because they're... The people... Okay, okay. The people <laughs> did you hear that? Yes, yes, I think we... Yeah, I think we're... <laughs> We're verifying well, your story. You. That's the perfect, wrong. yes. That's the per that's, I told her to come in and say that <laughs> at this point in the podcast. So spontaneity. Um, yeah. But as I was just saying is that, <laughs> you know, you're donating to families that have problems uh, conceiving children in the first place. So even though you can donate uh, theoretically a healthy embryo, uh, they may not result in a live birth. So, um, you know, it's... Um, there's a, it's a numbers game, but it's where I'm, I'm very satisfied that uh, we're able to have um, other children born, and uh, I'm in touch with my egg donor on it. She's happy about it, and you know, it's it's all good. Fascinating! What a bond you have with this woman. I mean, you guys had four children. I mean, that's I a said, huge family, right? I that's, know. that's amazing. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, it's it's today's. You know, it's it's. Um, with the technology these days and the um, the way things are done, you know, in the old single parent, I should say. You ever thought about like family. selling the rights for a sitcom or something? Well, uh, it's interesting you say that because, um, yeah, if I could find an agent, but um, uh, believe it or not, MGM contacted me about uh -huh. a year and a half ago through a Facebook group, through like a single men Facebook group. And they, they said, oh, we're looking, the reality division, actually, of MGM. Uh -huh. said, we're uh -huh. looking to do a series on single men with babies. And, um, you know, if you've got a story, tell us. So uh, this is the end of 2019. So I sent in my story and the guy interviewed me for like an, he, a video interview for like an hour. He asked for like 30 pictures, you know, childhood pictures and so forth. They cut the interview down to like five minutes to send to their, you know, whoever decides on these things. And then, so they were, they were in, but they were in the recruiting stage. So they didn't know if they had enough people to actually 
go ahead with this. But then COVID hit. And, and in 2020, everything kind of shut down for a year and a half. And then six months ago, the end of 2021, I was contacted by MGM again by another person saying, hey, we're still trying to recruit for this single men with babies thing. Are you still interested? I said, sure, you know, just let me know. But uh, so I haven't but I have not heard anything back from them. Um, this is going to be like a like a reality show. It's a, yeah, it's the reality division of MGM, the same one that did Survivor and Apprentice and all that, you know, kind of thing. It's the reality division of MGM TV. So I, I don't, I don't think this is going to pan out, but who knows? You know, it's, yeah, they do have, <laughs> okay. they, do, <laughs> yeah they, they do have information on me, and uh, they know all about me. Uh-huh. Okay, so if people, I mean, if people want to uh, ask questions, uh, just uh, I think you know how to do it. I think there should be an icon. Okay, we have John von Neumann over here. Uh, invite. Okay, go ahead, Mr. Allis. Uh, um, how did you um, How did you uh, learn who Richard was, and have you seen Richard talk to Steve Shu? Um, how did I know what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear everything you said. Oh, how did you um, learn who Richard was? And um, have you heard him talk to Steve Shue? Um, I haven't heard him talk to Steve, Steve Shue, but um, I've been following him on Twitter for, I guess, the past six months uh, because I've seen him uh, read some of his tweets retweeted and uh, other people that I was following. And I found he had a lot of interesting things to say and uh, started following him. And then when he sent out the uh, casting call uh, a week or two ago, I just responded to it. Did you have another, did you have another question? Always? Uh, no, oh, but, but I, I think you should watch uh, Richard's interview with Stu Shu. It's pretty good. You should. I recommend it. <laughs> okay. This is a very okay. nice, this is a very Okay. Yeah, this is a very yeah, this is a very big fan, big fan of mine. Yeah, I think he's bringing up Steve Shu <laughs> because um, we talked about embryo selection, we talked about in vitro fertilization. He's actually he's a physicist <laughs> at uh, Michigan State, and so I had a two part conversation with him on the CSPI podcast. And he's actually he has some startups involved with genetic screening. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, I mean, you probably would like those uh, those conversations. Um, okay. And the, you said. Uh, uh, so she has three, your daughter has three siblings. Does she meet them now, or is that is that going to? Oh be no, this is down the road. <laughs> this is down the road. It's going to be years. I mean, I want for one. I mean, their families have to consolidate as well. You know, the kids are, are new to them, and um, uh, it's going to take a while for the children to understand where they came from and how they got there and who their parents are. So I, I. Uh, I think it's going to be years. No, I don't know how many. Do they, but, um, do they live close by? No, they live in, uh, at this point, they live in other parts of the country. But we have exchanged photos, and it's really adorable to see the resemblances uh, in the kids. Yeah. So we, we, yeah. So it's, uh, we're taking it, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. We have a very, it, it was, see, right now there's more of a demand for embryos then there is supply. So um, you can, if you have quality embryos, like you can go through Facebook groups or agencies and find recipients. 
So I was able to select, and I spent a lot of time trying to select the right people because this is something that's going to go on, you know, obviously for a long time through families, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping, I, I think I made the right choice and they made the right choice in that our, what we see is, is aligned and uh, will we'll be a good fit. So I think it is. So why, why, is there, why, is, why is there a shortage of embryos? Because everyone has sperm and, or everyone has eggs. And then uh, I, I thought it was a thing where you couldn't pay people, but apparently you can pay people. So why, why is it not? Why doesn't the, uh, uh, the supply meet the demand? I don't know. I think it's mostly some of the problems are uh, eggs, some of them sperm. Uh, but there are many couples that um, cannot have kids uh, and, and on their own. Also, the in vitro fertilization is very expensive. So yeah. you have couples who spend tens of thousands of dollars on IVF. And instead of continuing to, because poor quality genetic material, instead of continuing to throw money at that, embryo adoption is relatively cheap because the embryo is all done and they just, uh-huh. they just insert it, you know. I so, see. Yeah. You've met, you've met the hurdle. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a call from uh, Barry. Barry, uh, go right ahead. You're muted. So you got to just push the button. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes. Hi. Hi, Leon. How are you? Hey, this is a friend of mine. Hi, Barry. Nice to hear from you. Yeah, I just want to say, Leon and I have, Leon and I have been friends for over 50 years. I'm, I just want to say I'm very proud of him. I think what he did was like the best thing, you know, that he could do to improve his life. Uh, one of the things that we have in common is, believe it or not, we're the exact same age and we both have uh-huh. four-year-old daughters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, so, did, did you, you also get one? He, do you do no, the old-fashioned way, Barry? Yeah, old-fashioned way. A bottle of tequila and a half a gallon of orange juice, um, <laughs> yeah. basically. Uh... So, so Richard's, Richard's not going to do a show on you, Barry, because you did it the old-fashioned. So. No, but I, I just want to say, uh, yeah. you know, I, I see the, you know, the, the pictures and the videos that he posts on Facebook, and I've met Ruby when, when she was one or two, I guess, at the time, and yeah. she's a beautiful little girl, and you're doing such a phenomenal job. And I hope one day our four-year-olds can get together and, and, and play. Uh, and that's basically it. I'm just really proud of you, Leon. And, and just keep it up. And, you know, uh, and if you decide you want another daughter, I have four. I'll be willing to let go of one of them. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe babysitting, uh, Barry. But, uh, oh, that'll I'll work, take too. It back to you. But thanks. Thanks so much, Barry. You're so welcome. Right, you. Take care. <laughs> that's very That's very sweet. Okay. <laughs> Is um, so I guess you know if anybody else has any questions, let me ask you this, um, Leon. What if you know if there's uh, is there anything you know if anybody's thinking about going through a similar process? Um, well, you know, any advice you would give them? Is there something you wish you knew before you started the journey that uh, that you know now? Um, well, I would say if you're thinking about doing it, you really have to know yourself well. And I think I know, having lived a long time. I think I know myself pretty well in what I can and what I can't do. There's some things that I should be able to do that I can't do, but there are other things that I know other people can't do that I can do. So uh, you have to know yourself, and um, you can't be afraid. Uh, you have to want it. Um, I would say that um, 
the challenge is, you know, and of course, raising the child, you need an incredible amount of patience because you never know what a child, even a normal child, is going to do. And that the range of behavior, I should say, yeah. of, a, of, a, of a toddler and an infant was somewhat of a surprise to me. I, I just, just didn't expect there could be so much going on there. But, but yes, Dr. Uh, okay, I'll be with you soon. But and, and I would also say that that raising a child, is, a lot of it is raising yourself and just kind of educating. You can only control your child so much as other parents know, but you can control yourself. Yeah, she's, she, okay, she's yeah, demonstrating. She's telling yes. you. She's telling you. <laughs> well, say hello. Just say hello. <laughs> well, anyway, she's she's telling me I think my time is up. <laughs> okay. Well, Ruby. Yes. So, okay, we won't keep, we won't yeah. keep you any you. any longer, Leon. Okay, is there anything else you want to say to people? Any advice you uh, want to give? No, not really. Uh, th no, thank you very much for uh, having me on, and I'm very happy to tell my story, and I hope, um, I hope I've inspired somebody uh, at some point uh, down the road on this. So, that's, that's my hope, it. too. Okay, thanks a lot, Leon. Yeah, go take care thanks, of Thanks, Richard. Sure. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh -huh.